Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. One of the biggest days in recent memory for Iowa basketball occurred on Thursday, June 23rd. David Eichel, Sean Bach, HawkeyeInsider.com, part 24-7 Sports Network. Sean, we knew it was going to be a busy day yesterday with, with Keegan Murray, and I'm happy to say that the buzz I kind of heard leading up to things proved, you know, was proved right. The Kings were all, all over Keegan Murray. Jay and Ivy didn't even work out with, with the Kings, so I don't know why he kept being projected as, as number four. Maybe it's because – that's what people expected out of the, the Kings over the years to just take another quick guard that they'll trade in two years, i.e. Ty, Tyrese Halliburton. But not just on the NBA front, but just for the future of Iowa basketball, Iowa earned a pair of commitments yesterday, one of which was expected. I think both of them we thought would eventually become Hawkeyes. But Cooper Koch, I think we got to start there. Really a, a bit of a surprise, but I think, you know, with, with Wisconsin was in the mix, Purdue was heavily involved. Earned a lot of big time offers. And, you know, I, I at least thought he was going to eventually end up being a Hawkeye. I knew he wanted to make an early decision, but this is a huge, huge win for Fran McCaffrey and company to get Koch in the fold early because we've always said, Sean, ballers want to play with ballers. And, and Cooper's certainly one of the better players in the class of 2024. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely one that was a little surprising, depending on who you talk to. I know when I talked to Koch, before his unofficial visit to Iowa on Friday, or it was Thursday, um, or Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday. I'm getting my getting my days mixed up. He told me, he's like, yeah, I'm still deciding in the fall. And, you know, that's kind of been the deal for, for a while now. It's been the fall for Koch. And he, during his visit, it was kind of one of those things where he felt like it was the right time to make a decision. I mean, they were up there to watch practice. They were up there for Kirk Spiro's retirement party. Obviously, the Kochs and Spiro are pretty good family friends, and with Spiro recruiting Cooper while he was still at Iowa as an assistant coach, there was obviously a a stronger relationship there. So it was one of those things that, as Cooper described it, was a spur-of-the-moment type deal. He didn't really have you know any plans to make a decision going into that visit, but it was one of those things where he's like, you know what, it just kind of feels right, and Cooper was kind of leaning that way for a bit, too. There was a lot yeah. of Iowa and Wisconsin talk for him. Purdue was still involved. But I think with the ties to Iowa, the relationship with the coaching staff, I mean, Cooper's known Fran for a, a number of years now. Obviously, he's known Dean Oliver for a long time, too, being that Oliver and uh, his father are good friends and played together at Iowa. But, um, you know, Koch felt like it was the right time to make the decision for the Hawkeyes. And, yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's a major commitment for Iowa. Obviously, Koch, you know, top right outside the top 50 at number 51. But if you watch him play, I saw him play for the first time last summer at the normal West shootout in, you know, around Peoria. And I was so impressed with the number of things that he could do on the court. And the first time I really saw him play, well, I saw him play. I I can't remember who the first game was, but the next game they played uh, Owen Freeman, who was at Bradley Bourbonnet at the time, the Iowa commit. And. Cooper just found ways to impact the game in a number of ways, whether that be passing, seeing the floor, rebounding, you know, hitting shots. He was 
really on that game when it came to knocking it down from three. And I think one of the one of the comparisons that I have for Koch at this point early in the process, I, I think they're different players, but I think he'll have a similar impact to a Peyton Sanford type once he gets to Iowa in his first year. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter right there. I mean, I think I think he's going to be that guy in due time. But I think a fair comparison when it comes to a role is Samper. I mean, he's he's a good passer, obviously known for how he can space the floor and score in different ways. More of a shooter and more of an outside guy than more of a, than a driver. I think there's some more longer athletic players that might give him a couple um, troubles uh, when he's on offense. And, um, you know, the Big Ten, you're going to have to deal with that physicality too. But I think from a, from a floor perspective, you know, Koch is a lot of what you want. And having teams like Purdue and Wisconsin that were after him pretty hard and Illinois and Indiana at one point, it's it's a really good get early in the process. And obviously with, you know, just Iowa offering him as long as they did and as long as ago, I mean, you know, there's a legacy ties with it as well. Yeah. But I think still like this is this is a major commitment that is one that you have to be really excited about if you're Iowa. One, you get – your foundation piece in the 2024 class and Cooper's buddies with a number of guys on Indiana lead that I was going after. You have Caden Wilkins from Bettendorf who doesn't have an offer yet, but I think we'll get one in due time. And there are a number of other guys in 2024 that are don't have offers yet. And then East coast that Iowa can go in and offer. And with Gaten's involved too, you know, I was not done the 2020, 2023 class still have a number of guys there, but, 2024 things are really looking bright and if you get a good 2023 class and things are really going to open up for 2024 as well you know on top of that too I mean as I kind of mentioned I mean getting Keegan Murray going top five if Chris Murray goes in lottery next year top 20 I mean there's so much to sell I think uh Eric Bossy 24-7 sports uh, basketball analyst but together the biggest winners for colleges from the 2022 NBA draft and Iowa was near the very top he just said look this just proves that Fran is a great talent evaluator. Iowa's done a great job of evaluating talent, developing talent. And now they can go flex that they got Keegan Murray to be a top five pick. And I think, you know, going forward in the recruiting process, that's going to be huge. And that's how you take that next step level, next step up as a program. And to go back to Koch, very complete basketball player. I think he struggles guarding against more athletic forwards. That's not to say he's not a good athlete because he is a good athlete. He can shoot the ball. He's a very good passer. I don't want to say like a point forward, Sean, but he's a really good ball handler for his size. He can pass the ball. And I think as head coach, uh, you, you talked to him previously. I think I really like that what he said. He's more cerebral than flashy. And that's how you get efficiency out of Iowa's offensive system. And I think Koch is a perfect fit for that three spot. But he's also a really good he, – he's a pretty decent rebounder. I think if he can continue to improve his physicality, continue to put on some more muscle, I really do like the upside. I think he's a great foundational piece for this class. And just in terms of being a good two-way player and a guy that – probably doesn't struggle with too much. I think he's very good in a lot of different areas, but where does he take that next step up to be an elite caliber prospect? And he's clearly got time to continue to improve his ranking. I think he can break into that top 50 category. I think at worst when, you know, the rankings are all said and done, he'll be a top 75 talent. And, you know, a lot of people take legacy commits with a grain of salt, kind of scoff at and say, Hey, 
you know, that that's the way it should be. They Iowa should be landing him. While that is true, they still got to the full court press and it still has to make sense on a variety of fronts. And I mean, you've covered this recruitment basically since the very start of it. Iowa certainly put the full court press on trying to get Cooper Koch and you know, they've got to be absolutely thrilled about getting him early in the process. I think you, you talked to Cooper yesterday for your VIP Q and a piece. And he just said, Kirk Spiral, even though he's retired, he was jumping up and down. Fran was very excited as well. And, there's no doubt that I, I think when you talk about just getting that first commitment this early in the process, especially that level of a talent, it's going to just alleviate some of the pressure on 2024 class. And again, he's the third highest ranked commit in the modern era at 24-7 sports. I think Tyler Smith and Adam Woodbury were the two players that are ranked higher than him. Yeah, most definitely. And Koch, I mean, like I mentioned before, I was known about Koch since he was young and yeah. seventh grade is really when that relationship came up. And if if it wasn't for Bradley head coach Brian Wardle being good family friends with the Koch's, then I think the Iowa offer probably would have been the first one for him. And that's saying a lot because in the weeks following, you have Purdue coming in, you have Wisconsin, you have Illinois, you have Indiana, um, Wake Forest was in there as well. There was one other school that I can't remember. That's not really coming to mind right now, but the main five throughout the whole recruitment or most of it was Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa. And then yeah. things ended up coming down to Iowa, Wisconsin, and Purdue. And when you're in that company too, I know a lot of people will scoff at Wisconsin's play style, but what have they done under Greg Gard? They've won games with very limited talent. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it just – just plays out in favor of Iowa and things just make a lot of sense when it comes to fit and watching Cooper play too. Like we talked about before, he just does certain things on the court that help you win ball games too. And we'll talk about Brock Harding later. And I know that's kind of a very cliche comment to say, but you know, when he's not hitting shots, he's going to rebound. He's a good positional rebounder sees the floor well, is getting really a lot better at defending quicker guys. And when I saw him this past spring, he he beefed up in the weight room as well. He looks yeah. a lot bigger than he did, you know, not like too crazy, but he definitely looks like he put on some pounds and, you know, honestly looks quicker and twitchier than he did a while back. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a good commitment. You know, it, the important thing to mention is he's got two years of high school left and he's one of those guys too that's going to have a high floor because he's going to come in and work his butt off and you know continue to prove I mean prove himself and one of the things that I know this is one of those like obviously a lot of kids are doing this but I remember JR has texted me throughout the recruitment being like yeah like even after like getting this offer even after like a game the next day like Cooper has drags me to the gym at 5 30 6 a.m in the morning to get shots up before school. And that's a 15, 16 year old kid that's doing that. Even with the offers that he has, like, it's like, that's, that's just, that just, yeah, it's just cut from a different cloth. And I know that happens with a lot of kids, but you know, it's really impressive to see once, you know, things kind of get, you know, at that age, it's, it's just very impressive. I think another thing, and I've mentioned this several times for football, and maybe a couple of times for basketball. And, you know, again, some people don't believe in it. I believe in it. It always means more when you're a legacy or an in-state kid, when you commit to a school. I mean, Cooper, even in his announcements that I've dreamed of growing, I grew up dreaming of becoming a Hawkeye and now it's a reality. 
And I think that there's an added edge to him now, maybe a little bit more of a fire than, you know, if you're now a state kid, but you commit to Iowa, but you're, you know, again, you're not a home state kid. You didn't grow up rooting for them. You aren't a legacy and not that Cooper's trying to like live up to what JR, you know, what JR was. But again, it's just, I always feel like there's an added fuel to the fire. You know, again, I know it's super cliche, but I think the results speak for it. Again, great foundational piece. I think he fits in perfectly with what Iowa wants to do. And, you know, Sean, who knows? He might grow another inch or two still. I mean, like you said, he's got two years of high school. Of his dad's, you know, a tall guy. Who knows? And I think there's a lot of room for him physically to continue to grow up and out. And I think that's a very good thing for him. That's just going to continue to uh, add to his upside. So huge commitment there. Uh, flipping over to 2023 class. Brock Harding, we've talked extensively about him. I know you've been all over his recruitment basically since Iowa started tracking him. This isn't a surprise, but I really do like this addition. I know you you had a great impact piece on him and and Cooper to our VIP members, but Harding makes a lot of sense in a lot of fronts. I like the combination of the Mike Gazelle, J-Bo kind of hybrid, but not as elite of a shooter as Bohan, obviously, but he's a little bit twitchier than a Gazelle, but I think that Harding's range is still a little bit more consistent than Mike Gazelle, at least at this point in his career. I think this is could end up being a steal for Iowa in the 2023 class. Uh, and I, again, I think he fits in perfectly with what I want to do. Great court vision. Again, not a big surprise, but this is a guy that was still being tracked by several other high majors, including big 10. And I think we kind of knew Sean, right. When he got the offer that it was only a matter of a matter of time. And, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier, he probably would have committed on the spot, but after Cooper committed, he kind of wanted to give Cooper his own sort of celebration instead of trying to pile on, which I thought he just spoke highly of his character as well. Yeah, Brock is another one of those guys where we look at Cooper and it just screams high major. With Brock, there was always a knock at one point. I mean, I saw him play last year and I watched him and I was like, okay, from a size perspective, I see why he's best suited at a mid-major right now. But from his impact and just how he played on the court and how he moved, I was like, wow, like this just makes a lot of sense for a program like Iowa to potentially take a flyer on this guy. And it was more of a flyer at that point because he was fast. He was in control of the game. A lot of the things that he does now, but his jump shot was just not where it needed to be. And that was one of the things that he really honed in on. And he took, you know, took to heart is that he needs to get a better jump shot or else his impact on the floor is going to be is going to be minimal or his chance of being a high major recruit potentially is going to be minimal. And he really started to improve on that this year. And you saw it at Moline. I don't have the shooting numbers in front of me, but you could just tell from a confidence standpoint that he just looks so much more comfortable from the perimeter when it came to shooting the basketball, whether that be open looks, whether that be contested, whether that be coming off a screen, whether that be coming off the bounce, he just looked a lot more comfortable when it came to scoring the basketball in that regard. And when you mix that with the type of game that he has as a creator, as a playmaker, as a guy that can work well in pick and roll situations, a guy that just makes people around him better, then that's a really dangerous combo. And that's one of the things that Iowa sought out from this winter is they saw that Harding was improving as a shot maker. They saw that, you know, he was getting to the rim. They saw how he really flourished in that up-tempo style of play that Moline likes to play. And they were like, okay, like this kid just fits what we want. 
Now it's a matter of do we want to take a point guard in this class because you have DeSante Bowen in 2022. You have uh, Aaron Euless, who is still pretty young in his career, despite entering his third year. And, you know, there's always the potential for a transfer. But I think one of the things that really made Iowa look at it is, okay, we can play a three-guard set if we need to, or we could do two-guard sets. But Brock is the type of guy, while he's a true point guard, we can put Aaron Euless at the two like we did last year with Tucson at times. We can put DeSante Bowen potentially at the two, even though I think he's more of a true one. But, I mean, yeah. you saw DeSante up close the other day. Did he look more 6'2", 6'3", to you? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I think 6-2. Okay. I would say 6 and his skills, Yeah, his skill set is more of a slasher type, but... I mean, you, we saw the jump that Tony Perkins made from a shooting perspective. Like, Bowen can potentially do that as well. So, in mm-hmm. Harding, I mentioned the size thing before. One of the things that really impacted him during his unofficial visit the other day was Fran's conversation with him. He mentioned that, yeah, people have knocked him on his size, but you look at Jordan Bohannon, who only had really mid-major offers coming out of high school and some of the even the mid-major programs wouldn't take his commitment and you you know Fran has had guards at Siena too that were small I know that was a different time period but you know Fran's system really hasn't changed that much and Fran really likes the guards that can not only do things in transition but have the control of the game and are able to play bigger than they really are. Yeah. Because you with Brock, like when I've watched him play three or four times, maybe five or six, every time he plays, he's in control of the game, no matter how fast he's playing at the way he can change speeds is something that's so valuable. And is something that um, incoming freshman guards really have a problem with once they get to the college level, that's something that Sante Bowen's working on now, but with Brock, it's, it just comes natural to him. And that's one thing that Iowa really liked is how he can change speeds, how he can play fast, obviously, but, you know, also playing control and play with different tempos, but also play bigger than he really can. I mean, he's battled against 6'3", six, 6'4", six, um, even 6'2", guys this year at the guard spot in AAU and has really played well against him and handled his own. And, you know, that's really opened a lot of eyes. And, you know, having Matt Gaines in his corner too, really pushing for that offer once yeah. he got – the job was something that was really important here as well. I think something that Fran McCaffrey takes so heavily into account when he's evaluating talent, Sean, and it didn't really click with me until right now. He values guys who continue to improve over the course of their high school and AAU career. And I think you brought up Harding knows his weaknesses. I think he was very self-aware and that's another guy that just wants to go in and he wants to work. And I think that Harding continued to prove himself and continue to get better as weaknesses. And I think that Fran ultimately wanted to reward that. And I think you look at some of the guys that he's offered over the course of his tenure at Iowa, I think you could say the same exact thing. Yes, there's questions about if they want to take a point guard. Yes, 
you know, maybe they would have offered earlier, but he values guys who continue the, their upward trajectory. That's why they were so quick to offer the Murray twins when they went and saw them at DME Academy. And you and I both know if, if Iowa hadn't been the first to offer and if the Murray twins hadn't committed right away, they would have gathered up a lot more offers than they ended up getting. Because I think, you know, the Murray twins have, have propelled DME Academy more on the national stage because of their success and on, on the landscape. And I think that's made it that much more attractive of a place, uh, you know, to be. So again, I, I think Harding continued to improve. I think it's a good thing for Iowa basketball. And again, with the era of the transfer portal, you have to be, almost be a little bit more aggressive. And you, whether you want to call him a flyer or not, I think that's fair. But I also always like to reiterate, when we call someone a flyer or a guy that will take a while to develop, we're not diminishing the fact that they didn't earn the offer. They've earned the offer, and we're not saying that. But Brock, by all accounts right now, it, it is a little bit more of a flyer. But again, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he came in, given the point guard depth, he can just do different things. And I think you brought up his his ability to control the game is something that Fran really, really values. So I think he's going to definitely bring a lot to the table. And if he can continue to extend his range and be more consistent from three point, who knows, maybe he breaks into the rotation sooner rather than later in his career. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd say flyer. I kind of just threw that word out there because it's the one that, you know, you associate most with guys that really don't have the high major offers outside of Iowa. Um, but I think from a perspective of how he can impact the game and the things he does to impact games, I mean, it's similar to Koch, but in more of just the point guard rule. And that's where, you know, things start with an offense. And, you know, with Iowa, it's a little different because they can have multiple guys take the ball up the floor. But I think in the Big Ten, it's especially important to have a guy that can dictate the pace and dictate the tempo and have an outside shooter as well, because that just opens so many things up for you and, Fran McCaffrey has really put a premium on shooting the basketball too with these recruiting cycles. I know you see Owen Freeman and that's not the first thing you come to mind with his, is his shooting, but he can shoot it from three if he needs to. And with Koch, Koch can shoot it. He's improving. He's getting more consistent. And, you know, with, with Harding too, he's gotten a lot better at it as well. So it's all about spacing the floor. The big 10 is such a physical conference where people feel like they can just pack it in and, you know, there's not too many. There's maybe one or two guys on every team that can shoot three consistently. But with Iowa, you're getting a couple guys on this roster that, you know, can take it inside, can finish inside. Koch will get better at it. He's getting better at it. Harding can take it strong inside. He's got to get a little more strength on him. But one thing that these guys can do as well is space the floor. And that wins you basketball games. We saw that, you know, throughout the last couple of years and this year as well with Kansas and, you know, with Villanova a couple of years ago and so many other teams. I mean, you look at the guards with Virginia a couple of years ago as well. Those those guys really knew how to space the floor and play well together. And, um, you know, you're seeing that with these with these types of guys. And I think they're they're really setting themselves up for success. Now, there's a couple of pieces that they need to put, you know, the finishing touch on. And there's a couple, you know, decisions that might to go their way. But, you know, just the way that Fran is building this roster is is building itself up for success and obviously athletically there's a couple guys still out there as well but i think from a skill set perspective and offense perspective shooting perspective and just having high floors these are the types of guys that you need to hit on in order to have those that success and that's what fran's done i mean i'm not guaranteeing that i was going to be in the NCAA tournament every year but that should be the expectation with the type of guys that they're getting 
I don't disagree. And I think there's a lot. Of, I think the other part, too, is, Sean, there's a lot of natural chemistry with Freeman, Koch, and Harding. So I think you already get those guys that already know each other's play style. They, you know, played against each other in AAU ball. Obviously, Harding and Freeman are going to be uh, teammates this year at Moline and probably be one of the favorites for the state title as well. Uh, so, again, really good day for Iowa basketball. Sean, let's flip over the NBA draft, talk about Keegan Murray. Number four overall. I know I, you know, again, I started some earlier buzz during uh, early in the process. I've been talking to a lot of people in the NBA circles, and it became very clear that Keegan was going four or five. I didn't think he was going to slip to six. I was a little bit surprised when the uh, odds makers came out and said, oh, the, you know, is he going to go over five and a half or under five and a half in a draft spot? I mean, the Kings basically said they were identifying Keegan Murray the whole way. I don't disagree. And again, I think they were iffy on Jay and Ivy when you consider that they have Davion Mitchell and they got Darren Fox in the backcourt and they got rid of the three guard lineup. So why would you take Jay and Ivy? But, you know, and, and if you were already kind of up in the air about it, Jay and Ivy basically told the Kings he didn't want to be a part of it. Not surprising given the history of the Sacramento Kings, but you look at the Kings play style, look at the roster makeup that they have. This is a if, if they can have that front office stability and, and actually take that step forward as being a like just a good franchise on all fronts. They got Mike Brown as a coach, they think Mike Brown's a good coach. This is a very, very, very good situation for Keegan Murray to be in when you look at the roster makeup. I think this is gonna give him an opportunity to flourish. And the Kings want to win now. And I think Jay Billis said on Scott Van Pelt's Sports Center last night that Keegan Murray is the most NBA ready player in this draft. He will go in there and make an impact on day one. And again, given the situation and given what Keegan can bring to the table, this is a really cool thing. The highest drafted Hawkeye uh, ever. And Keegan obviously is enthused about it. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, I think it's such a good landing spot for him. I really do. Yeah, I, I do think it's pretty good. And obviously, a lot of people are kind of like, eh, because I mean, You've seen with the Kings. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton has had success. There were a couple of other guys to that. I mean, Darren Fox, obviously different type of player, but is a guy that they want to put their revolve their franchise around. And, you know, I think it's interesting some of these takes too, where a lot of people would prefer to take Jay Ivey with this pick over, over Keegan. And yeah. I get it. I think some people think that Ivy has more upside, but with Keegan, I think you got to look at a more of a high floor guy in this perspective. I think with what the NBA is looking for, obviously he's been the prototypical wing player, the prototypical guy on on that spot on the perimeter that can do a number of things and, you know, make himself available and not need a lot of, I think Adam Finkelstein of our 24-7 sports national team put it away, like put it a good way. He doesn't need a lot of volume to score. Like he can score in so many different ways, but he doesn't need a lot of shots to do it. And he doesn't really need to be open much to do it either. Like he can create for himself and he can kind of just do a number of things on the offensive end that make him a really good foot fit. And same thing with his defense as well. You know, he can guard multiple spots. He can guard one through four, maybe even one through five if they need him to. They can switch on ball screen, switch in different actions, you know, with what they do in the NBA. And I, I just think it's a really good fit for him. I know if it was a better situation – um, when it came to a franchise, I would have really loved the pick. But, you know, that's kind of just where the cookies crumble in this case because, I mean, outside of that, I think I think this pick for Sacramento makes a lot of sense. I do too. And, again, I, I get it, but I also don't 
look at Jaden Ivey as an elite, elite upside multi-all-star guy like a lot of the top scouts do. I just I don't think he plays a lot of defense. I think he's easily the most athletic guy in the draft. He's a really good player. And the flip side of it, too, is Detroit obviously couldn't pass up on him. But man, I'm, you know, Cade Cunningham and Jay Ivey does not strike me as a as a good duo just because of the way both their play styles are good individual players. I just don't know how they're gonna mesh together. So that'll be interesting. But you know, some of the early props on Keegan Murray, Sean. Uh, it's interesting. He has the fifth highest odds when rookie of the year, nine to one, and is over under four points per game. Is it at 13 and a half, which I think is a little a little low. I think Keegan can average 15 or 16 in, in year one, but it depends on how big of a role, you know, he's going to be given and how many shots he gets. But as you mentioned, uh, it's, he doesn't need a lot of shots to be efficient. And I think, again, he's probably the most NBA ready player to this day. I think Jabari Smith is probably up there. I was a little bit surprised. He fell to number three, him and Jalen Green will be a lot of fun to watch together, but no, it's a good situation for Keegan. Hopefully the Kings can get their, their act together. And I, I, I think there'll be a fun team to watch on top of that too. And, you know, I think throwing in DeMontis Sabonis with him as well. I mean, this is the roster makeup and the opportunity for Keegan makes a lot of sense. Again, the only real reason I'm cringing is because, you know, you're, you're enough of an NBA guy too, Sean. The Kings just have not had good front office stability or good decision-making in, in like 20 plus years. I think the last time they're relevant was when they had like, Vlad Divac and PJ Stojakovic and Mike Bibby. And that was a fun team to watch. But ever since then, it's been a pretty down, downhill, down, uh, downward spiral, excuse me. So I think Keegan will have a lot of opportunities to succeed. I think that he's going to make the most of it. And who knows, with, with his consummate professionalism and the way he's going to go up about it mentally, I think that's really going to set him up for success. And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when you and I were talking about this, Sean, if it will not surprise me if Keegan Murray has a very realistic shot to win rookie of the year. And after looking at the situation even further and seeing where other guys have sort of stacked up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm going to stand by that. It really will not surprise me if he, he if he's in the top two or top three for NBA Rookie of the Year this upcoming year. Yeah, I agree as well. And um, I would have loved to see him in Indiana or potentially with San Antonio at number nine. Yeah. I think those would have been perfect, perfect spots for him. Yeah, the San Antonio would have been cool. And I, I think even Detroit, I think him and Cade Cunningham would have really complimented each other well. And I thought Detroit was, you know, if he, I think if Keegan was available, they would have drafted him because after getting rid of Jeremy Grant and throwing him to Portland, I mean, there was an open role for Keegan to go in there and sort of take over that spot too. And then obviously, you know, having Luca Garza and, and Keegan play together would have been, a, I think, a really cool thing again as well. But Again, I, I think one of the more significant days in Iowa basketball over the last, what, since Fran McCaffrey's tenure with the two commitments and getting a top five draft pick. I mean, obviously it's not on the court results, but this is the type of stuff that can help you lead to better on court results, uh, which I think cannot be undervalued. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think you talk about the NBA draft last year. I think that was a pretty, pretty big highlight um, during the Fran McCaffrey era, obviously when the Big Ten Championship 
you know, there were a couple other times in years past where things were really, you know, I was on the national spotlight. I think you, you look at it from a perspective of just having success. I think this is definitely one of those days where, where you can, uh, you can feel good about where Fran McCaffrey has put this program. Obviously a lot of people will talk about the round of 32 and not making it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And that's valid. But I think from a national exposure standpoint, from where Iowa was before Fran McCaffrey took over the program, you have to feel really happy about where things are at now, because obviously, you know, you want success on the court, you want success in March and that's getting there. They've been close, but you know, this is the next best thing to that because you're on the national stage. This is what gets you these types of guys that you don't normally get. I'm not saying that Brock Harding um, is one guy that you don't normally get. I mean, Cooper Koch obviously helped you as a bit of a legacy recruit, obviously was familiar with the program, but this helps you get the Owen Freemans. This helps you get the TJ Powers, the JP Estrellas, especially. Yeah. I mean, JP Estrella is a guy we should be talking about a ton because this could be one of those things that really helps push him over that edge. Obviously, Duke is there but it's a matter of how much does Duke push for him. And, you know, but how is Estrella familiar with Iowa? Luca Garza. You know, that's his mom's favorite player from college basketball of all time. That's why one of the big reasons why he's taking an official visit of how he could fit in Iowa's program because of what he saw from Luca Garza. And, you know, people can – Iowa can use his pitch on the AAU – on the recruiting trail as well with, you know, some of these positional swings that they're going after. So – there's a lot to sell for Iowa. Um, if you're a fan of McCaffrey, I think you feel pretty good about the recruiting pitches that you can use over the next couple of years. And you have more leverage with Chris Murray in the next year as well. So there's there's a lot of good things going on when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's it's really exciting to see personally. It'll be interesting. I think it's important for Iowa to win, again, 23, 24 games this year. Be top four, top five team in the Big Ten, make the tournament. And, you know, who knows? It's all matchups, and it's all about who's hot at the right time in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, that's what's going to continue to give Iowa this momentum. And like you said, J.P. Estrella is a guy that, you know, Duke's in the mix, but we'll see how hard they end up pushing for him. But, again, getting Cooper Koch in the mix, seeing Keegan go, Chris goes next year. I mean, this is how you take steps forward as a program. And, you know, I get Fran isn't perfect, but you also look at some of the – I think some of his criticism is unwarranted. I think the Sweet 16s and the lack of – not making them. I think that's obviously valid. I think the transfer portal and the era of the transfer portal, I think those concerns are valid, not landing those guys. But as far as development, talent evaluation, winning games, putting guys in the league now, because it's very interesting to me, Sean, we'll wrap this up after this, but you know, not to dive too much back in the Xavier Foster situation, but remember when he chose Iowa State over Iowa, he said it's because Iowa State puts guys in the league. What's Iowa done ever since Xavier Foster committed to Iowa State? Iowa's been putting guys in the league, and they've been putting guys forward in the national spotlight to win national awards. So not that that stuff's obviously not a sole reason, but I just find it, again, Iowa's very self-aware, I think, for the most part. They went younger in their coaching staff. I think that's also helped on their recruiting trail. You've been very high on Courtney Eldridge. I thought that was a home run hire. I thought Matt Gatins is obviously a home run hire, and I think that the – it's just a good mesh right now. I think Iowa basketball is a lot of momentum going forward. And I think that's, uh, you know, if you're an Iowa fan, I think that's about all you can ask for right now that probably the best days are still ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement about this team from last year. I mean, they, they lose a couple of guys, but there's a good vibes going into, going into 2022, 2023. And, 
you know, with those 2023 and 2024 recruiting cycles as well, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of intrigue um, with that. And, you know, I think this momentum is going to, going to continue. And, you know, if you win on the floor, if you win on the court as well, that's, that's the main thing. But I think if you're, if you're an Iowa basketball fan, you got to feel good about where things are going. And this is this yesterday was a day where, you know, you can really look back and be like, okay, like this is this, this is going to be pretty fun to follow over the next four to five years, or at least should to be if the pieces keep falling into place. See what happens with, you know, JPS Charles and some of the other top targets as well. But Sean, I know we'll be all over. I know people are very excited about the football recruiting weekend. I mean, obviously I think there's going to be a lot of news going forward. So be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com. Follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. And stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and most in-depth Iowa coverage available. Until next time, talk to you soon.